Was that the most boring WrestleMania main event of all time? What in the hell was Stephanie McMahon on when she gave that speech? Can Shane McMahon turn his neck to the left today? Can The Undertaker stand up without the assistance of a rope today? If a Dudley goes through a table, does the crowd not bleed? Did AJ Styles really have to lose? Am I high or is that Shaquille O'Neal in the ring? And finally, most importantly, did the event really need to go on for five hours? We hope to answer these questions and much, much more from WrestleMania in just a few seconds. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Rafa Sparza. You know me normally as the guy who co-hosts uh, Verbal Tap with my good friend Kevin Phillips. But uh, today there was something that happened that was so big, so incredibly crazy. Uh, you know, it's WrestleMania season. And I had the opportunity to watch the show last night and I enjoyed it. It went on for a while. I think it might still actually be going on. I'm not 100% sure it's over. But it seemed that they had a main event, and it seemed that people on the internet said it was one of the worst of all time, which is an interesting thing to say because there have been a few, and I've watched a few, and that's a, that's a loaded statement. So I thought instead of doing a Verbal Tap episode, uh, dedicating it, because we have a lot to talk about over there, uh, I would just do this little kind of side thing, uh, just a quick little podcast, talk with a couple of my friends, and uh, see what they thought about it. So... I know you guys would love to hear me talk forever and ever and ever, but sometimes I like to bring on people who clash with me in real life or whose opinions I'm just kind of generally interested in. And uh, on this call, we have somebody today who I've done both with, but he is a passionate wrestling fan. His name's Mike Stallings. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm good. Good, sir. How are you? Not bad, man. You know, I I was so interested to hear what you thought about WrestleMania because You've been to how many? What is it? Seven? Seven. Yeah, seven. I'm trying to get to ten because that's a nice round number. And I think it uh, culminates at 35, which is also a nice ripe number to, you know, <laughs> they'll do it up real big like that. So it's kind of like a two for one. So you're going to hit the next ones up? Three. Oof. The next three. Oof. Like almost no matter what. <laughs> so like, you, you've already made trip plans for Florida? In my head. Okay. Okay. You can never really make concise plans for Florida. No, <laughs> many elections would say the same. Hey, now here's the thing I need to ask you: is that what was the first experience for you in terms of going to WrestleMania? The first experience I can really remember, like that stands out vividly. I went to. I attended. Okay, I attended WrestleMania 12. So that was what 96? Six, I believe. So I was about a junior in high school. Kind of more right before Stone Cold really hit the hit the fringe. And I remember the Ultimate Warrior had a match with Triple H. And that stood out because it was his return. And everybody loves Ultimate Warrior. It takes you right back to your childhood, even though I wasn't that far removed. <laughs> then I remembered in my, I don't know if you want to call it adolescence, being super confused to why... Not only we had to watch the Roddy Piper Goldust uh, <laughs> pre fight on the screen while we were there. Yeah. And why they were using, I mean, I got why they were using the OJ footage, but I kind of just thought it super campy. Yeah. Because I really thought as a 15 or 16 year old that they were doing that stuff outside. I didn't have the kayfabe switch to really realize that 
they were just hanging out and then they were going to come out and do the in-ring stuff. This was probably pre-recorded. They were really doing that. He was really driving down the freeway to the arena. So I kind of got confused with that. And then Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Yeah. Well, God, one of the best, best matches of all time. Uh, Bret Hart, obviously, one of my favorites of all time. Shawn Michaels, one of the greatest in-ring performers of all time. I just find that it's so interesting. So for those of you who don't know, I actually met Mike at a WrestleMania. And when you go to these things, you don't know exactly who you're going to be paired around. I just know I was going to be drinking, and I was really hoping for the best. And uh, it turns out that his crew and my crew were about the same level of heel section, one might say, because... We were kind of booing the bad guys, but then also really, really enjoying uh, putting over people. And it seemed like we were so against the grain at certain times that uh, it just looked fun to provoke kids who were cheering for Cena and then looking at them and being like, really, this is the choice you're making in life? I always like to refer it to as a, a daunting task to draw anywhere near us. Not only because we forget what we are, but we get so locked into it. Yeah, and it's always fun to make fun of the the Cenas, but that falls in that certain age group. It's when that 19-year-old, 20-year-old college kid with the Randy Orton or John Morrison <laughs> shirt stands up. I mean, And they're really, really, really into it. I believe we actually made some Randy Orton fan almost cry. I can't remember what we did say to him, but... The guy got real bummed, and we gave him a good, oh, and he was, yeah. He was, he was not, not happy with it. Yeah. At all. No. Although, I think my favorite is uh, my buddy, Kyle Flieger, who's one of the best provokers I know. He just loves to debate and provoke people <laughs> and really get under their skin. He was telling some kid who was cheering for The Undertaker, who was fighting Shawn Michaels at this point, and it's the career-ending legacy match. And you see my buddy, Kyle Flieger, look at this kid and be like, Dude, what are you doing? You can't go against Shawn Michaels, kid. Okay? It's the end of his career, man. You don't want that. And then, like, you know, the kids get kind of, like, aggravated. Be like, boo, Undertaker forever. And then you see my friend go, yeah, okay, buddy. You call me when your balls drop. And then you see his father get involved. At which point I'm wondering, I'm like, oh, man, I've been drinking a bit. I hope I don't have to fight for my friend here. You forget. Mm. You, it's, you forget you get so dialed in and it's okay because what you see on TV and what the guidelines are for maybe like cable TV or something, you forget that you're an earshot yeah. of the Cena kid demographic, yep. which leads me to a great, that was a great segue. I mean, if you could ever write one about <laughs> you having a fight for saying off, something off kilter at a WrestleMania, mm. considering my WrestleMania experience one of the best things I've ever heard of you concocted to where if you see somebody, you already know. Yeah, see, that's yeah. how this is how profound it is. If you see somebody that has a replica belt, if you can find, I can't remember if it's a legit referee or somebody that's willing to referee mm -hmm. your hardcore, hardcore rules match that will take place when you approach them. Now, I have to tell you why I came up with that idea. Is It's not just because people wear belts. I think if you're under the age of 18 and you wear a belt, that's fine. You're more than allowed to. It's kind of like when you go to Disneyland and you you know buy the Mickey ears, right? That's fine. You're a kid. 
If you're over 18 and you have a belt, it's a little more questionable because who did you beat to get that belt, first of all? Second of all, you didn't beat anybody. You probably went to the local Kmart and picked it up. So maybe you beat the concession dealer who gave it to you. I don't know. But you didn't do anything to earn it. But every single person who's over the age of 18 who puts a belt over their shoulder walks around with their chest puffed out like they earned it, which then begs to me to say, I think I can take that person because some wrestling fans, not all, but not in the best of shape. And then I start thinking these people have wild imaginations. I mean, it's part of the way that you become a wrestling fan is you have to be able to play in that world in that scenario. For whatever reason, we accept without any questions that if the shoulders are down on the mat for three seconds, the match should be over. So having said that, if you have a referee right next to you, I guarantee you, it doesn't even need a ref. If you just pin somebody's shoulders on the floor and somebody counts, the whole crowd around you just knows the world to count. So that's why to me, I say under hardcore rules, I believe you should be able to do that. Okay. But let me ask you one thing. Yes. What I want to know what, what line it is that you ride so close to the middle that you will jump up in the middle of a WrestleMania, maybe after a half an hour of vaguely meeting somebody and yell, hey, Mike, even the guy with the Divas title is on the line. Get a ref. (laughs) I think that's one of the funnier things you can say is just because when you look at everybody who has a different championship belt, you look at them and you're joking around because the thing is it's it's that fight club mentality of – you walk into a place and you realize, all right, I've got this guy. Yeah, I could take that guy because people size each other up. I think for me, and I'm a mixed martial arts fan at heart, uh, I always wonder because they give you the training and they're always like, all right, if you ever need this. I'm always wondering, like, if shit goes down, how am I going to get out of this? Like, I need to I need to take out that person's kneecap. It looks like they've got a little bit of a, a lob in their step. Uh, this person's got a big head, so that means uh, gravity will take them over if I just push it a little bit. It's not a kick to the gut than stunner. I thought that was the one-two punch that just gets you out every time. Almost. But the problem is is that it's much in the same way how in uh, jiu-jitsu when they say, like, oh, you'll learn the martial arts and you'll be great You know, if anything ever happens to you. And most people, it's great to know. It's great to have that, that backdrop. But I always pose the question, what if the other person's trained as well? So what if the person that you're trying to stun has a very good familiarity with the rocks reversal into a rock bottom. It's not a good day for you. So anyway, having said all of that, I guess we return to my question, which is about this particular WrestleMania. And I ask you this, Mike, was this the worst WrestleMania of all time? Absolutely not. Okay. Now we said that, but is this also maybe the worst, um, I don't know, WrestleMania main event of all time? I wouldn't go as far to say it's the worst WrestleMania main event for two for two reasons, being that they actually it actually made sense the way they finished it. They actually set up a story that they actually had drawn out for a really long time. It seems that Triple H likes to have these longer drawn out storylines where he stretches over about a year, two years, instead of fast tracking everything like they're doing a couple of years ago with all the belt switches and stuff. So but they actually stuck to their guns and put reins over regardless if we wanted it or not. 
So what you're saying is for the main match between uh, Triple H, Roman Reigns, uh, featuring Stephanie McMahon, because I firmly believe if anybody won that match, it was her. In what aspect? Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about the opening, because if we're going to walk through linearly, mm-hmm. let's Mm-mm. talk about the fact that when that match was about to start and they did the walkouts, first of all, you have the champion come out first, which interesting. Okay. I get it. Very selfless of Triple H. Very nice for Reigns. Uh, but you have the champion come out first. And then Stephanie McMahon proceeds to give a two and a half minute speech that I, for whatever reason, as soon as I saw her say it, go, this is awful. This is terrible. And then 30 seconds in, oh, it's gone full turn. This is amazing. This is the best opening I've ever, yep, I've ever seen. She, this is great. At which it's, point, she's insulting. I, I to off. Oh, it's okay, but I'm saying it, it was insulting the audience, and the audience said, nah, we're still going for Triple H. They were going to do that anyway, and the aesthetic of that was so profound how you said they let him go out first, that they were trying to do anything in their power to make you know Triple H is the heel in this story. He's a bad guy. We're involving you. Stephanie went full-blown. I'm going to say it, and it's the first thing I thought of. She went full-blown Illuminati on us. She did. (laughs) Because when she's sitting there, and, like, honestly, I would love to play the tape for you, but I think they'd sue us or whatever. But let me give you a greatest hits of what I can remember, which was, like, bow down before us. We are the makers of makers of dreams. And, like, at the point I'm looking at her, I go, did she write this? No, she doesn't have to. I thought that, too. I go... Either Stephanie's just really good at memorizing her stuff the night before, like I was in college with like cramming for an exam, because she's been on fire lately with the yeah, promos. She has. Or they really believe this. Yeah. This is their <laughs> sandbox where they have the people that they control, and this is fun to them without actually having to go through to the next level, which involved. Well, stuff you would see on Lucha Underground, but I'm not really going to get into the aesthetic of that right now because I think this is a show that doesn't deserve that at this point. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really, it felt really forced, and you really felt the crowd saying, like you said, nope, we're gonna, we're gonna, we are sticking to our guns. But I really don't appreciate the IWC aesthetic of it anymore. Like that's what. WrestleMania wasn't about for once. There was no overbooked shenanigans in any of the linear storyline matches. Okay, okay. Now, that's fine. That being said, I think one thing that really worked against everybody in this format, If tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first WrestleMania to go like five hours for its main event. It seems like the one with Kid Rock went like seven hours just because that was so unnecessary. But (laughs) isn't that what people are saying about Raw? Definitely. But I thought that the reason why I bring it up in this respect is it just felt like the entire crowd 
was just they were done i think it was maybe after the shane thing and it happens the pacing can be terrible or it can work against you or it can be your best friend but in this case i was watching triple h try and put over reigns so hard that like i i had an appreciation for what he was trying to do but that he just couldn't get the crowd necessarily behind him despite the storytelling is that something you feel or is that maybe indicative of how long the time was running on it or was it just that people are just that adamant about Reigns? Eh, I don't think so. I think it was a combination of a couple of points you touched on. One being that the crowd was absolutely zapped. Um, I felt that they were zapped after Stone Cold, HP Sizzle, and Foley with the Dean Ambrose, Brock Lesnar match. And then I also felt like they got real high, back high again for towards the girls match. And then when Shane did what he did you could actually hear on tape the air leave the room completely and that brings me to the back to your original question i think the jericho triple h match from wrestlemania nine was it 19 or 17 uh we're close i think it was 18 oh wow no gambling tonight but um (laughs) I think that I think that was more boring in the fact that the crowd was just way way too withdrawn after the Rock and Hogan match, which should should have been the natural pay per view, considering I mean what was going on at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting because I seem to remember, and it 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 leaves me at times, but Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> closed out a WrestleMania. Wow. Yeah, but okay, that was also that was also a time when okay, now if we were our age now watching that, we would have had a different point of view. But I think that since we were still kind of younger and Lawrence Taylor was, you know, they didn't do really much of the cross, you know, the cross platforming with sports and wrestling as much that it it kind of worked. You know, to where I don't know if it needed to be the main event because they weren't really worrying about putting the belt. What was the belt match? Uh, the belt match that year was uh, Diesel versus HBK. With Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy? I believe so. And that went on after? I believe so. I have to double check it. If you're listening and you're a fact checker, go do that. But uh, I'm just not. The reason I bring it up for this is, I mean, it was a testament, much in the same way for Triple H. You did have to give a lot of credit to Bam Bam Bigelow. It was also a nice way for the WWE to get a very quick lesson. And maybe when you have a celebrity, maybe you should vet them because for long term packaging, eh, Lawrence Taylor. Don't know that that works in uh, a lot of retrospective clips. But, uh, hey, lessons learned. I will say this. Um, I thought the match, I thought they did a good job. I thought Stephanie was well integrated. Uh, I thought that Reigns, I mean, he was doing what he could, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't happening. And it wasn't, it didn't have that feel. And the worst part is for the IWC is what you're saying is, is that it gives that vibe of, yeah, we're right. It wasn't as great of a match as it was supposed to be. And I think that's the more disappointing part is that, you know, there's no way to really correct that or amend that because they were trying every big spot they could. If it if it completely swerved out, 
are people going to get mad that it was like almost like a bait and switch and they just kind of threw it away at the gate? Yeah. Or that we're going to go, we're going to go through with this. I think a lot of people, I mean, when I fantasy booked it, Triple H always has a faction. Here comes the Balor Club with, you know, the new signing of the Bullet Club. Somehow pull his, you know, his prodigy Finn somehow and have the Balor Club and have that be his mercenaries to get revenge on Reigns. And here comes the Shield reunion because what are they going to do with Dean right now? Yeah. Talk about a disappointment. You want to talk about something boring and a disappointment? Oh, Why don't you digress onto that? All right. All right. You got into it. So let's get into it. Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose. Uh, it seems many people were very disappointed at this. Why were you disappointed with this? I don't know if it just felt weird. I don't know if I was disappointed. I think I'm more disappointed in the reaction of everybody because what did everybody expect? Yeah. Uh, we he's not he's not Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> there was no Eddie Guerrero story that really sufficed uh, us to care that much about Dean Ambrose. And they weren't going to give us CZW. I mean, that was cute what he did with the chainsaw, but yeah. <laughs> he was thinking that wasn't going to start. <laughs> Somebody asked at my viewing party, they're like, where'd the chainsaw go? And I go, an adult came in and took it from him. I've seen, I mean, to, not to get off track here, I'm going to say it real quick. A crowd, a room of about 350 people go absolutely bananas for an invisible chainsaw that Kenny Omega took to the <laughs> Osprey. That's so I don't know if it's the delivery. I don't know if it really didn't start, <laughs> but it brings me to my really solid point about it. Maybe Dean Ambrose just isn't all that. Wow. Okay. You and could be Reigns right. Might, Reigns might suffer from that too, because I feel the only one that really flourished was Seth Rollins. Nobody really expected him to flourish to the level he did. They expected Reigns to do it, and when you separated the three of them, it kind of went south for the for the both of them besides Seth. Yeah. I feel like they're rebounding from that, and it's just – it's it might be too late. And it's to be fair, uh, I was trying to think of the last real, real big, like massive Dean Ambrose match that I absolutely loved, and it was the street fight with Seth Rollins. And that was going in the crowd. I was there for that mania – or I'm sorry, that SummerSlam – and I thought that was a great integration of his character. I think the hard part for him is, since he was fighting Brock Lesnar, it was kind of in that mode of, eh, I don't care if he loses. That's eh, fine. Whatever. It's Brock Lesnar. He can lose. I guess so, since Brock doesn't have anybody to really fight with this go-round. I just thought in this respect, it just it's one of those hard things where Brock isn't really... Like, he's a tool that you're supposed to use, but if you don't use that tool properly, it's kind of not exactly you, – you want to take it back, if you would. And so I think that was the hard part to sit through. How would you have booked Dean Ambrose at Mania? Would you still have given him Brock Lesnar? Did you have any other way of doing that, or did you think he could have been better suited with somebody else? I don't know if you do these callbacks on purpose, but – yeah, they should have gold dust Roddy Piper did. I mean, they should have they teased us with that, him pulling him out of the car. You know what I mean? They could have shot a couple of vignettes before that to make us believe that they were outside. They could have had, you know, their set was so big. I mean, where did they set up that Eddie Guerrero, John Cena fight on cars matches? I mean, that can't be no. – you, you got 
you got a hundred thousand person stadium, you can't put a couple cards out there to, you know, you know, Bork Laser loves smashing windows <laughs> and then throwing <laughs> car doors at the fans. So I mean, I mean, why it would be a, it would be a good aesthetic. It's big enough for him to miss people at this point. So and it's hard to say this because that match was thirteen minutes and it felt like it was longer. And I think the other hard part about it is. I don't know. I guess now in retrospect, I can say this. I felt the actual buildup to the match of like Brock going to confront him and uh, smashing them and onto the car. I thought that was better than the actual match itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody was expecting so much with the imagery they had given you with the barbed wire bat with again, with the chainsaw with, you know, they almost did a spoof back to the old promos he used to do on the streets of Cincinnati where <laughs> you almost thought he was a drug dealer and this yeah. guy was really like from the streets and they kind of wanted to touch on that. But then it just kind of was like you said, oh, yeah, it's Mania, it's Brock, and we're just going to do this. I'm going to get paid and everybody's going to be happy regardless because everybody loves Suplex City. <laughs> Take me to Suplex City is actually a sentence I want to put into uh, a box so that someone can read it later in future generations and go, take me to suplex city. What the hell was wrong with these people? Um, but I will say this. I think Dean Ambrose has the ability to get on the mic and really make you believe that what the match he's going to do is going to be great. And I think paired up with the right people, he could be great. So I, I still feel like there's a better utilization on him, maybe lower on the card uh, for somebody from NXT. Yeah that you could literally bring up and he you would elicit a better match out of him. I, I already got it covered. Go for it. Did you see the greatest debut maybe in the history of WrestleMania on <laughs> if Dean Ambrose has a lot of ticks like a Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm -hmm. Shinsuke doesn't need to say a word of a word of English to get that point across. Dean Ambrose, that was his aesthetic when he first came out. Man, this guy's weird. He moves weird. He's got that little funny, those ticks with his hands and his face <laughs> and stuff. It's true. Which Nakamura has down to a, a science. So I really think if they made Dean Ambrose, they can't figure out if they want him to be like Stone Cold plus that or if they want him to be like a James, like almost like a Finn Balor with a James Dean aesthetic plus mm. – that but they can't just get it right unless they let him be himself which might be too crazy which might be too crazy it's true no people like that though yeah but he's do. not gonna do czw we're not doing the blood and he's already done that they don't want to do that okay now you you brought up an interesting point and i want to put a pause here we'll come back to wrestlemania in a second but you brought up nxt takeover and i think that's an interesting point to put because would you have called the match between uh i mean the debut i guess you could call it would you have given that a five-star match? Because everywhere I saw it said it was a five-star match. It's the closest thing you're going to get to a five-star match if you're going to teeter that half-star. Because everybody's always teeters that half-star because they just don't want to do it. There just mm -hmm. wasn't that little special thing. And the little special thing was WrestleMania. Sure. The special thing was not only that was his Nakamura's debut – which not the whole WWE universe really didn't. I'm not really putting them on knowing who Nakamura was. Like yeah. guys like me and you do that pay attention to New Japan and stuff. So it was exciting, but it was also Sami Zayn's farewell match, and you can see it 
when he comes to the ring, you can, he's he's crying. Yeah, he's crying, and then when they Nakamura has enough class to leave town first out of the gate, so Sammy yeah. can get his just due, and that was that's what makes it the five star. That feeling that you can't get from just putting a match together three months down the road. This is it's almost like fate, dude. It's a weird thing. Now, now that we're talking about up and coming, I mean that was a great match. I would encourage you guys uh, to go watch it. It. I think it did something uh, – it's captivating. Even at, like you said, if you don't know who these people are or you don't know if they're going to work in the WWE, just watch Nakamura's work inside of it and just see how he feeds off that crowd. It's it's truly impressive. I honestly believe that if you showed at this point, I used to think it was the Young Bucks because they're doing something cool and flashy that people would – but I think the average fan might find that a little campy. But I honestly believe if you showed somebody Nakamura's entrance from NXT TakeOver, that would instantly become their new favorite wrestler. There would be nothing negative to say about it. And they'd be like, yeah, I get that. Mm. All right. Well, let's go back uh, to WrestleMania. I have to ask you this. We're going to bookmark right now uh, Shane McMahon because he's going to be the next point to discuss. So I want you to gestate think a little bit on that but before we get there it was also nice to see uh what we like to call the annual rocks bearing talent portion of the show uh mostly they've utilized the rock and the rock makes big promises of you know hey i'm gonna come back i'm gonna change the game and he is a captivating charismatic presence so at first it made it seem like his whole big job was to go out there and not only put his name on fire which yes he had a flamethrower for whatever reason uh, but he walked out to the ring. He said, Hey, this is how many people are here. And you thought, Oh, is this it? Are we done? Because now you're starting to realize this is going to go till 9 PM Pacific, 12 PM Eastern, uh, or 12 AM Eastern. It's going to be a long night for all of us. And then they decide Bray Wyatt should come out. And so they have him come out and the rock proceeds to, do what he does when he part-times it and kind of puts down the talent that shows up there every week. So I ask you this, how did you feel about that segment? That felt, I mean, it, it makes sense that the rock, they put the rock out there to get the average viewer and to the people that, you know, might not watch anymore to get that. And I understand that. I read a tweet today saying that the Rock segment would have been better if one, the Dallas cheerleaders had the, the came out with a blowtorch, and and two, the Rock was not there. So I don't know if it was him the way he did that because I thought it was a T-shirt gun at first. I, I did like, too, okay. actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's got a new T. This is how we're selling T-shirts now. There's going to be some Under Armour fans getting. Uh... Their best Brahma Bull t-shirts that they didn't know they wanted. It's going to be wick-proof, though. It's fine. And then I thought he was going to go get Ronda Rousey for a second. Like, okay, I didn't know if there was, like, any kind of... No, okay, so it became its own thing. I actually thought he was going to go get Kevin Hart. And I was really hoping. And there was somebody (laughs) at my party who said, hey... He didn't bring out Kevin Hart, and they said, no, he's actually in the t-shirt gun. And then we discovered it was a flamethrower. So can you visualize that? Okay. Two seconds for the audience. Just visualize that. (laughs) Really? I mean, really? Okay. Would you ride a ride 
that if you got shot out of a cannon, but if the rock shot you out of a cannon, would that be enough to get you in that cannon? Absolutely, because I know it'd go over. But I have to tell you this. When they bring out Bray Wyatt, and I, I realize, okay, this is, I guess, the avenue they're going to go. You, as a fan, you know The Rock can't wrestle because he's insured for the movie Baywatch, so they're not going to really let him take any injuries, which means somebody else has to take an injury, which means there's going to be a new record set because theme, records being broken. The Rock is going to beat <laughs> Eric Rowan in six seconds. So not only is that a fuck you, Seamus, but that is also a... Uh, I guess I'll just break another record because why not? Funsies. See, and you were, I was going to get to the point where you said what, what I didn't like about it and listening to you like repeat that step by step, step like infuriates me because I don't mind The Rock coming in. You know, he kind of put Bray Wyatt over for a second. Agreed. He, he, milked it, he, he milked it for a second. I was really kind of low-key proud of him for doing that. But how dare you? How dare you try to take down, put your name on the record that King Kong Bundy, <laughs> as a child, gave it to Special Delivery Jones? Probably the only reason anybody <laughs> knows who Special Delivery Jones is. I can't, you can't name another match and the higher level of the talent that he fought with. Guaranteed. That is so, that's, that's like mean. Yeah, it's kind of mean. You know, I mean, The Rock is a great presence. He brings in the people and, as we've mentioned, bringing in the average viewer. So there is an important aspect and element to bringing him in there. I believe it's also widely known or at least reported that The Rock, ha the Rock has free reign to do what he wants. Like everybody else has to get their stuff cleared and then people just tell him and let's book out 15 minutes for The Rock. Uh, oh, just like, yeah, I totally rubbing it in their face while he's doing it. Yeah. So all those things I can understand. That's fine. But when you don't utilize them in a way that I feel really lends itself to the talent, because I think the perception is if the rock just buries them real quick, that's elevating them. And I don't know that that's necessarily the right way of thinking. Don't bury, don't bury Eric Rowan. What, Bray can't ever get buried. Why is he? Why is he always the one bailing? Is he? Wasn't he? Get, what does eviscerate really stand for? Throwing your, throwing your lesser tag team partner in front of? I don't. I don't understand that, at all. He never does the job for. He, he says the great promo, but then he always throws Eric Rowan for the pin. It does it. It's kind of like a backwards thing to where you get excited to see Bray Wyatt work. Like people want to see the, the yoga pose and him be like do the Cape Fear thing, but when he works, because it's actually kind of cool, but it, it happens so sporadically that you can't, you kind of, oh, wait, yeah, he does more than talk. Oh, wait, he does, oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't make heads or tails of it, but I'll say this. I do get excited when I see The Rock. I just wish they utilized him better, and I don't know if that's oh. a fault of The Rock having too much creative control or the devs not really entirely sure on how it is they're supposed to use it. No, they were just super scared of actually answering that thought in your head when you saw Cena stand behind him and you're in your head you're saying hit him. Hit yeah, him. I know. Come on, hit him. Do it. Is this the turn? Oh, they're hugging. I know. I literally uh as Cena took off his shirt, uh I had to uh, say, be the first to say it because I knew other people were kind of on the verge of making the words, but I just blurted it out. I was like, "Is now the time to turn heel?" 
I said it first. See so. you your turn. <laughs> and uh, everybody just kind of like looked at me and started laughing. And I was like, I just want to, I, I put it out there first. I just want to say, okay, cool. Uh, and then my buddy just goes, no. And I go, okay, fair enough, dude. Uh, so, well, go on. Think about it. I mean, it doesn't get much better than WrestleManias or pay-per-views, but the Raw 1000 was a pretty big, pretty big event. Yeah. What happened there is they used the Rock, utilized the Rock to the fullest potential because mm-hmm. when CM Punk came flying off camera across the screen and laid him out, yeah, that was how you do that. Yeah. And that was at the time when CM Punk was so untouchable. Uh, but at the same point, turning him heel was like, <gasps> yeah, as a good guy, he was untouchable as a good guy. This guy was selling him more shirts at the, at that time, at that point in time that, oh no, we're going to do this either because they thought they were sabotaging him or they were that smart for once. Yeah. And credit to this, you know, they kept the John Cena thing. They knew they wanted to integrate him. I'm sure it was a great compromise so that he wouldn't actually, uh, go out and re-injure himself. Uh, but it's also a nice way to remind kids, hey, kids, do you like game shows? I'm John Cena. I'm hosting one. Oh, boy. So, yeah, everybody wins on that one. That's fine. Uh, does it really set up a nice another WrestleMania moment? Sure, I guess. Um, but I have to ask you this. If we were just talking about younger talent and getting them to be put over, uh, is that – for the like 20 man battle Royal, was that positioning the latest any of those gentlemen will ever experience in a WWE ring on a pay-per-view or a main event? You know, I, I paused so for such a long time because I didn't really think of that, that, that is some genius level thinking right there. Yeah, no, they're, they're never, yeah, they were what two, one match away from the main event? Was that the match before the main event? I mean, The Rock, if you count that singles match. No, it's not seconds. a match. No, it's not a, that <laughs> It's sanctioned. A, that there was a, a ref. And this is, again, why I tell you why I think that you really could have a match with anybody at one of these live events. But he had his chonies ready. He did. He really did have his chones read. Um, but for this, Baron Corbin, uh, him getting that exposure, I thought... Uh, again, because we we were looking at the 8 p.m., 11 p.m. finish, and we were like, oh, this is going to go long. But how long is this, uh, this actual match? Is that Shaquille O'Neal? What's happening here? <laughs> and then you realize, you go, oh, well, that's why they had to put it on late because they have a big star. Um, but then at the same point, you look at all those people and you go – somebody looked at me and they said, Raph, is that Tatanka? And I said, Yes. Took me a second. Yes, he is there. Why is he there? I mean, I, I can't tell you why, but I'm happy he's there. So, to talk a hungry, to talk a hungry, very much so. Yeah, dude. I, we at that convention, he wouldn't sign us an autograph because he was going to college junior. <laughs> and that's what I that's what I associate with him. So, when I saw them, I thought one, Adam, two, college junior. That's the, that's to but yeah, I was really kind of upset with the Battle Royal only because, I mean, not only did they book Shaq to do the same exact spot that he did with the Big Show, what, seven years ago? Mm-hmm. Like, they couldn't have, uh, Charles Barkley couldn't have done a run-in, like, anywhere at that. He couldn't have pulled the rope down, like, they could have talked about it with Ernie, like, it could have been a whole nother. That's really funny. You know what I mean? Like, that's the natural feud right there. They're always going back and forth. You just have them do, and where's Pete Rose? <laughs> 
That's a great question. Um, but at the same point, I was happy for the younger talent to at least get a little bit of time so that you could do that. But let us bookmark the idea of uh, inside the NBA segment for future <laughs> WrestleMania considerations. I guess now we get to the point when I ask you this question, which is, and I had told you to think about it, so you've had time. Do we have to watch Shane McMahon jump off of a cage absolutely okay why deep down deep deep down in your soul you want you want it you you expect it like i thought for a split second like oh he's gonna look at his kids and he's gonna climb down and but where do you go from there but the minute he even like started to think about looking up the cage, people were like, "Yep, let's go, let's go, I'm in. <laughs> we're, we're doing this." Yep, he's oh, he's gonna do it. We don't even care. It became, is the Undertaker gonna take the bump or not? Yeah, you know. And if you're an insane mind, you're like, "Sweet, this is gonna be awesome." But then you get older and you're almost pushing forty, and you're like, "His kids are sitting in the front row." What are they feeling right now? Okay. Like, can, I, yeah. can I walk you through my thought process? Please do. All right. Here's how it started. Please, please. So please. Shane walks out, and I, there's a Shane McMahon entrance that I think is inside all of us, where you do the backwards run, and it's a shuffle step. And people were asking me, they're like, what is he doing? And I said, oh, he's kind of like between a Looney Tunes thing and like... Uh, which way did he go was this kind of his thing. It's hard to explain, but it's kind of boxing and kind of. Yeah, Muhammad Ali, absolutely. Yeah, so like, you know, there's a funness to it, and I appreciate it. But when he brought his kids out, I said, oh, that's great. Oh, man. All right, kids, go backstage. Uh-oh. No, this is the McMahons. Oh, shit, they're going to sit front row, aren't they? Oh, they're sadistic sometimes. Oh, God, okay. These kids are going to watch their dad die. Okay. So... It's, it- it's an Illuminati, like, <laughs> ritual, like, it's a passage into the next, like, to become, like, a man. That's the next thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to sit through the ceremony. They were just like, we're going to get it. Everybody's here. We're just going to get it over with. Shane might die. The kids will be stronger for it. And then we're going to put the speech on them. We're just gonna be like, this is who we are, and this is WrestleMania. So I just, I had a moment where I saw him uh, look at the cage, and I go, oh, well, well, first of all, when he did the pliers to cut open the cage. I said, this is dumb. And then you definitely heard two seconds later, <laughs> you hear JBL go, this is dumb. And I go, all right, I'm glad we're all in accordance here. You probably shouldn't be saying that though. Uh, and then you see him walk out and you realize, all right, we're making our way to the top of the cage. And there's some monitors and some toolkits that are very misplaced in this ring. I must. My say. favorite thing. The, the, my favorite thing was the toolkit. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Yeah, the toolkit I think was the most funny thing, because who left their toolkit? <laughs> Like, for whatever reason, I can believe someone puts a trash can underneath, but somebody leaving their toolkit unkept is, for whatever reason, just too far, guys. So he makes well, because they needed screwdrivers to, you know, just basic tools to reinforce the Hana cell. So the I, again, I understand that. that. I'm just letting you know that for my <laughs> own belief, I totally buy into the fact that, oops, I left this trash can here. But a toolkit is just, it's absent-minded. So anyway, 
here you have Shane McMahon looking to climb this cage. And I think to myself, man, I don't even think I can climb that cage. But he's 47 and he's doing it. So good on him. (laughs) Then I'm looking at him like kind of look down. And like you said, oh, let's get the kids. But here's the thing that I remember about the Vince McMahon family. When the match was over, what's the first thing they cut to? That would be one of Shane's children. And how did that note? With his head in his hands, yep. Exactly. And how did that note come? I will tell you exactly how it sounded in the back. Get me a shot of my goddamn grandchild. And, uh... That was uh, that was the end of it. I'm pretty sure that was Vince backstage uh, saying that about his grandchildren. And then he mic dropped out of Gorilla. <laughs> he mic dropped his headset out of Gorilla, just knowing like they're gonna do they're gonna do this. Yep. And it's gonna make me like feel satisfied because I'm telling you. It's Illuminati stuff, dude. It is. So, okay. So then, as we're looking at Shane fall from the sky, and granted, he hit the mark perfectly, so big ups to him. I just couldn't help but think, when you have a crowd that chants out, please don't die, you're making choices in this world. And credit to Shane for being the showman, and that is part of the family legacy. So if you are talking Illuminati, you're talking about the fact that this is the Vince McMahon family that has put themselves in dire situations for our entertainment forever. It's part of the family creed. It's part of the reason why Stephanie has to take a spear. It's part of the reason why Vince McMahon has to take a sharpshooter from Bret Hart for no reason, but, you know, for kind of a reason. Like, it is all of those things in one. So I say to you, were you satisfied with that match? And if so, why? Um, yeah, I was completely, I was completely, um, satisfied with it. One, because like you said, I've been to a lot of WrestleManias through the years being starting at 12, going all the way 31 was my last one. So I've seen a lot of the faces of the many faces of the undertaker, so to speak. Yeah. We haven't seen this taker in a really long time. He was driven. He was nasty. It was a sense of violent sense violence. He's kind of he kind of felt like he actually meant it, and he could kind of go. In Atlanta, you could tell he was hurt. Yeah. And San Jose was probably the worst match he's ever had on a WrestleMania. It was really really disappointing. Yeah. And I really think seeing that Undertaker was really cool because it brought the aesthetic of this Hell in the Cell being like wow, this thing is vicious because they've had Hell in a Cells where they don't do use anything but the steps. I mean, they they busted a side of it. They jumped off of it. Even Taker, when he did that like weird, almost like a arm drag, it was like kind of that piggyback suplex thing into the table. Yeah. Like he was the lead on that. Like yeah. he doesn't, he's, their combined age is 100. Yes. So for him to be the lead and Shane falling on that, it was kind of a cool thing to see that how that mania really does motivate them like that. And then step by step, man, what do you really want? They hit, they hit the spots they needed to. We know Shane can't throw punches. I mean, like you said, with the, <laughs> with the footwork, I mean, it's just the aesthetic of it. Like he's kind of flailing like, Oh, I kind of would throw a punch like that because I'm cool. You know what I mean? But 
it was he did the RVD, the coast to coast move. Yeah. yeah, he can still do that at forty seven. That was a really that was a really cool thing to see. It didn't need to be, you know, the Shinsuke Nakamura Sami Zayn match where they're hitting every single even dead spots to where they're getting the crowd to react because the crowd was going to react to the culmination. They were just taking you up that. You know, it's like Thunder Mountain, you know, once you get up to the top <laughs> and you've seen a couple of the, you know, the animatrons and stuff. But no, now you're really going to come for the ride. And I think the crowd really enjoy really enjoyed that. And it came off. That's what WrestleMania moments are supposed to do. And that's not a WrestleMania moment for The Rock. It was a WrestleMania moment for Shane. Yeah. It was a WrestleMania moment for Sasha. I think that it was so great. And we're, we're going to get to the women's match in just a second. But for... The Undertaker and Shane, I think a lot of people's criticism was, why are we seeing this? Like, why? Why do we have to watch this? And they kind of force-fed the, uh, I want control, which is always an interesting angle. And then it's the Undertaker, uh, you know, it's my yard, I'm the dead man, and me, legacy. And they had some nice moments and spots in terms of how they arranged it. Shane's sick burn on Your Legacy died two years ago. I don't, I don't know that there's another line that I've heard in the past two years that has made me go, oh, yep. yep that's, I, that's as good. a close tie, but might be a close second to when um, CM Punk told The Rock that his arms are too short to box with God. I Again, I said two years ago, and we're right around that. So it's it's... No, that was yesterday for me. That was yesterday for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The pipe bomb, everything. All the CM Punk, still yesterday. That's a whole different show. <laughs> but for me, me, I thought, you know, they made the most of it. They added the emotion. They added – I mean, the, the thing that I think is hard for fans to really kind of gauge is – from my own scale is, is this performer giving you everything they've got? And I think that goes unquestionably for Shane. And – for The Undertaker, at least they're trying to tell a story and you are in it. You are, though, however, at times remembering why does he have to get the okay to go ahead and jump off this cage? And can that be the last of it? No, they needed to see it on the comeback. It's just the aesthetic of it. It's like two and one. They got to do it once. I mean, Brett had to do it once. Sting had to do it once, even though Sting kind of got some gall and did it twice and then got really hurt at right. night <laughs> champions. But that, he was just making Seth's. That was basically a make a wish for Seth yeah. at that point. You did a make but, a wish fulfillment for Seth. Sorry. That's just. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I bet you he approached it like that. It's like, I was you for Halloween. Can I just please? Can you please? Oh, your neck's almost broken, dude. I got you. I got back in his head. I don't even really care about this guy. I had his smashing buddy. The My smash neck was buddy. already dead a long time ago. It's a big <laughs> secret. Nobody knows. In, in that same vein, and I want to bring this up to you because I think it's so fascinating to talk about. Uh, when Shane was about to jump off the cage, my first note was Did anybody consider having him talk with Mick Foley for just a few seconds? And my friend one up me and, and made this joke even better. He said, Did Shane just walk, watch the way that Mick Foley walked to the ring? And I said, well played. Yeah, no, at before, at, I, mean, I mean, like you said, scaling that, I don't even know if I would got the, to scale that thing, let alone 
I don't know if he really jumped. He kind of just kind of let gravity leaned. do its work. Yeah, leaned. He put his foot out and leaned to the side. I appreciate the double pump of the metronome to see where he was. Yeah, yeah. And landing that, that was that was good. I also appreciate. Maybe it's like a smooth criminal lean gone wrong, where you oh just kind God. of like do that. You just end up down there. If somebody could CGI that, that would be great. Use it. No, use it. Oh, I, you are definitely on a total the next gif 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 level <laughs> i don't i still say it wrong let me ask you something real yes, quick sir. before this thought leaves me who two or three guys really would you pay you have you're gonna pay your 60 dollars for this wrestlemania for the undertaker versus mm. somebody on the current roster to make this wrestlemania work who are these three people Ooh, that's a good question uh, I mean, you know, when they were teasing The Undertaker versus Cena, I think it's the most logical place to go if Cena's not in the championship hunt, uh, mostly because it, it brings two extremes and it's a nice story ending. Um, but then the question is, like when The Rock was, or I'm sorry, when The Undertaker was going up against Brock Lesnar, I kept thinking like, he's going to get hurt. I'd like to see somebody who does most of the work for The Undertaker. Who could really take all of those bumps? Then it just becomes who's big enough to take those bumps and do the right things. So that that's a tough question. Here's a question I'll pose to you. Would you want to see The Undertaker versus Roman Reigns? I, my brain just threw up right now. <laughs> like one-on-one? No, it was really cool when the Shield put him through the... The table, that was like a big deal. Like, wow, they got to the taker, but one-on-one? I mean, what? how do you dress it? Belt versus career? I mean, at this point, is it always going to be something versus career for The Undertaker? No, the reason why I brought up Roman Reigns is it just speaks to the McMahon. Like, I feel like every step with Roman Reigns has been somebody saying, oh, I'll do it myself in terms of getting him over. From Triple H to Stephanie to Vince McMahon. And I guarantee you that Vince McMahon, when he was in seclusion, he's just chilling in the truck. He's doing the like work that he needs to do behind the scenes. And he sees that Reigns isn't getting over. One day just looked and said, I'll do it my goddamn self. But the one day he gives him the Michael P.S. Hayes, he, he feeds him the suffering, the suffering succotash line and yeah. all oh, hell breaks God. loose. I know. I know. And the sad part is that just that shows how the game changes. Because I, I want to say there were those terrible lines that happened to people in the past, in the 90s. But that one in just this day and age is like, oh, my God, that's killer. No. It's not even that. It's I feel like Roman giving promos is like listening to your own voice on an answering machine. <laughs> like it just kind of seems like kind of monotone in a way. It's not really believable. That's not me. You know, I mean, he should speak a lot differently than that. Yeah. Like it's kind of, and I think that's the problem because it feels the rock can flow. Like, Oh yeah, he is cool. Rome. You're not tough. Roman. You got that tattoo in like two days, man. That should go throughout like fifteen years. Like, there's a process. You got you earn your cool points. You don't just get fast tracked. He was fast tracked so fast through NXT that he'd even have time to think about mistakes and 
oh, I'm not the maybe I'm not the only guy in the room every time. Maybe there is a Finn Balor every now and then. Maybe there will be a Shinsuke Nakamura. He was force fed that. Okay, okay, and maybe this is a nice segue to something a little bit further down the line. Would you be interested in? I'll put two to you. Would you be interested in The Rock versus The Undertaker? Because part-timer versus part-timer, nobody really loses in that scenario. Or would you be interested in maybe The Undertaker versus AJ Styles? As a... I would be more interested in Undertaker versus Kevin Owens. Absolutely. I thought that was on the table, though, was the problem. I don't know. Like you said, that goes back to your point. Maybe the Undertaker will get too hurt with his yeah. moveset. And like they can't pad a power bomb. And I mean, his- Kevin Owens does a, a great job. He's very like there's a physicality to what he's doing. It's a very aggressive style. And I feel when you put a 50 year old man in that style, like then you're just looking to permanently hurt them, which is why a number of the guys I'm not sure. Now, if we're talking about Baylor and The Undertaker, I could be persuaded to think that might work for somebody who may not necessarily hurt The Undertaker, but also provides a very weird, uh, creative, logistical style up. Like Demon versus Dead Man? Exactly. People buy that shit way easier. Immediately, yeah. Immediately. I mean, he came out with the chainsaw and people are like, yep, okay, <laughs> Dean just let him borrow it because they're in Texas. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that works. <laughs> so anyway, those are just some initial thoughts because. Here's, here's mm. real quick. Go just ahead. a tangent on what you said. You want to fix this year's mania? Mm. Have Rock win the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Have Triple H come at 29. Have Rock come at 30. Rock goes in as champion. Roman Reigns is really confused on what to do because he's family and they could brought the Usos in. Dean Ambrose would have had a more prevalent spot being in the middle. Who's he going to side with? Rock could have fought Dean Ambrose at some point. There was just so much more to then this, this evil authority um, storyline that we've been dealing with for, I would say about a good 20 years now. Yeah. And I mean, it's not going anywhere. So as Stephanie's speech, let us know the Illuminati is here and it's real people. Uh, I actually thought that speech was part a cut scene from Mad Max or uh, Stephanie McMahon was channeling Cher's turn back time video. So between those two, I was like, I'm just confused as to what's happening here. But I have one more thing to say about the 20 man boy uh, battle Royal, which mm-hmm. is just in your brought up of the rock and the Usos and Reigns and all family connection. You're going to end up having a 20 man battle Royal with just Samoans. From the Rock's family. <laughs> I guarantee you one day. What's the cutoff age for how old you can be? Uh, as a wrestler? No, on the senior side of the people participating in that. Because you know everybody <laughs> is going to try to do that. Like they're the Guerreros. Like Chavo and Mondo still got any kind of legs in them. They're going to do. They're going to try to do it. <laughs> it's so true. Because Chavo, Chavo seems like he's game. To be at anything at any time. That's a great note. Um, well, I'll tell you this much. I found that to be great. I f- one of the things I do appreciate that the WWE did this year was the integration of the women's title. Uh, do you think it like was this one of the highlights for you? It could. I mean, aside from, I'm not. There was no real match that was really. 
the highlight for me. The main highlight were things around the matches, but as far as from a wrestling match from start to finish, that would probably be the match of the night, mm -hmm. considering the the entrances to the flow, the actual workflow of it, to Charlotte's WrestleMania moonsault, and to actually having like, you know, a logical heel way to win. And from from A to B, it kind of everything kind of kind of clicked. So. So, yeah, absolutely. But my biggest takeaway was um, when, I mean, Snoop Dogg coming out with Sasha was just, it's just right in the heart. Yeah. No, that was amazing. I was I was very happy to see that. Uh, and you're talking about Sasha, but people seem to be really angry that she didn't win. Did she need to win there on that stage? No. No? And why not? Do you see what they gave her up front? I did. Charlotte, I mean, that robe was cool, but Charlotte did not get to come out with Snoop Dogg. And, I mean, Ric Flair really tried to talk about Charlotte at the Hall of Fame, but only because Snoop had put such an eloquent uh, speech on Sasha and put her over in just the greatest light he possibly could. So it felt like they were kind of backtracking on that. Sasha, Charlotte, it made sense for Charlotte to win. It, it, it had to happen. They are going to put the that new belt on the flag bearer of the divas division at this time, it's Charlotte. I hear you. All right. That works for me. And I'm just going to rapid fire through the rest of these real quick. Uh, League of the uh, League of nations defeating the new day. How did you feel about that? It had to happen for um, the madness that ensued after. And was that the best way to integrate the legends was the blanket kind of, we challenge anybody. And I mean any three random world champions. No, who be, to no, be back because there? no, because the IWC for a good second thought, here comes the Bullet Club. <laughs> here yeah. they come. So it was kind of like I kind of thought that, but when I mean I'm a real big HBK mark. When I hit his music, I kind of hit the floor in some capacity. With, <laughs> And then he showed that he had his gear on, and I went, wait. Yep. What are you doing? Yeah. I don't know if I felt disrespected to the retirement or if he was just going to give us a one-off real quick like he did, and I thought it was perfect. Yeah. Texas. Yeah. And even then, you're still wondering, like, how much coercing did it take for him to get back out and do that? You want to save a half hour? You just uh, have The Rock come out third? Utilize Wade Barrett, put Stone Cold in fourth, and then let all four of them tell them that they broke the attendance record and just ballpark it because they're going to make it 20,000 more anyway. It's a great, great, great note, actually. That's a, a really smart idea. But The Rock needs to have his own time to shine. Apparently, I guess. I don't know. I, I think ah. the interesting thing is there, and I have to ask you this, if you're a wrestler, how excited are you to take a Stone Cold stunner? Because it feels like every person in that ring who was part of the League of the Nations, was just looking with delighted glee like, I get to take a super kick. Uh, I get Rus to take Mr. Sago. <laughs> Rusev's sell of the stunner was, I mean, you could tell. He was like, I, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm practicing <laughs> this. I'm just going to sell this. Like, and he's become a funny guy, and it, that's what it kind of clicks. I've seen independent shows where guys – turn into stone cold all of a sudden the place goes nuts just yeah. for for that aesthetic to so have somebody on the other end of it like a vent seizuring yeah is but because i had a friend of mine i was talking to today 
who really didn't like WrestleMania. And he was like, oh, they buried the New Day. I was like, wow, they didn't bury the New Day. They gave him that big box of bootios. And then Xavier got stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin, which was probably the best moment of his life. Absolutely. So how can you, oh, I don't understand that that was, that was bad. Like, like I was saying before, the main takeaways for me from Mania was watching Sami Zayn run down that ramp and soak in all those people and just go, I've made it, I'm here. And you could tell that he was, he felt it yeah. and he was letting it back out when he was pumping his fists. And then when Kevin Owens came out, I started pacing the room. I could feel him through my TV because that was so intense because he was, I mean, if anybody, he wants that, that ramp the most. And it was really, really awesome to see stuff like that, whether they're going to give us, you know, the logical finish or not, it's WrestleMania and that all culminating together is what makes it good. And if people looked at that more, I think there'd be less of this, you know, you know, back and forth of, the Romans and stuff because yeah. yeah, he's not the best, but I don't, I don't mind him. Yeah. I think that's the hard part is I don't, I don't dislike Roman Reigns. I think he's actually, he's a good thing to utilize for the company. I just don't think they found it. And it's kind of harder when you haven't found it, but you push it anyway. It, that's why it feels, I think so disingenuous at times where you go, Oh man, I would normally be rooting for this guy in some other way, but just not this right now. So this just in, hmm. next week's Saturday Night Live host is Roman Reigns. Do you watch? Um, yeah, I mean, I watch SNL all the time. It was kind of like when I found out R- Ronda Rousey was going to host. Uh, granted, he's not on her level in terms of celebrity. But I got excited for the UFC because I said, oh, that's going to be great exposure for them because they'll get to reach people who they don't see. For Roman Reigns, much like Rousey, though, in this respect, I would probably say, oh, no, lines, reading, people, being funny. Oh, God, suffering stock attach. Uh, That better make its way into the monologue. Yeah, right. What was better, Ronda Rousey and Entourage or Ronda Rousey Saturday Night Live hosting? Ronda Rousey on Ellen. That's the answer to that because Ellen, at least I was looking at her as a person. On SNL, uh, you know, there were a lot of people who were making fun of her saying, you know, depression, suicide. And I'm like, guys, there's a line of comedy I don't really go to. It's just not something I really feel like it's it's good. You know, she's saying she's hurt mentally. But if you want to talk about all of her missed cues on SNL, I'm happy to do that with you. That's that's the tragedy part to what you're referring in the time plus tragedy. Yeah. Equals. Yeah. That's the no, not a real. Oh, really? Yeah. Go talk to Anthony Jesselman for that, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, like there are comedians who are amazing at that. I just it's not my own personal choice. And I, I have laughed at jokes like that because I'm a terrible human being. But in terms of what I like, it just doesn't necessarily uh, pull it out of me on that side. I will say, though, yes, Roman Reigns, SNL, would watch. But were you surprised by the Zack Ryder wing? Surprised? No. Only because um, our good friend Brian Downey said that two betting sites, online betting sites, had him like a favor, like a five to two favorite or something. Hmm. So it wasn't a surprise. I don't know if I really thought of any logical outcome other than 
Sami Zayn deserved it more because he did so much for NXT and he put on the match of the year, but I think that was just enough. But then when the finish happened, you just go, yep, that's 100% the right call. Yeah, and I mean, like, you posted the photo of uh, Razor Ramon and him switching belts, and I thought, man, look at that. That's, like, how cool is that? What are the chances of that, like, mathematically? Like, very slim. Very, very slim. Uh, so, you know, you had that. You also had the Usos defeating the Dudley boys by sacrilege of putting them through tables, which I think most people were kind of like, what? Um, but uh, whatever. That's fine. Uh, you that, had- match that match would have been better if they made the, the Dudleys come out dressed like the Usos and the Usos come out dressed like the Dudleys. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad that we live in an age where we could still see the Dudley boys in some capacity. So... If it's a cheap pop, it's WrestleMania, and that's not exactly it. If I ever coined a, a subtitle name to a WrestleMania I produced, you better believe it would be called Cheap Pop. One thousand. They fi- they fished the, on a podcast. They, there was a live podcast, and McFoley forgot how to give a cheap pop. <laughs> so it was almost like it was kind of funny and sad to watch Stone Cold kind of coach McFoley on how to do. A cheap pop, which he basically, you know, wrote the book on. It was kind of embarrassing. Yeah. So I understand where you could get the cheap pop, but you, I mean, you better be on point with it. I mean, how many are you going to get a time? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. I understand that. For me, I'm just kind of like, they shouldn't be here. This is weird. I guess I'm kind of happy, but I, I also get it. I get what's going on here. Uh, we also want to say uh, the team Total Divas versus Team uh, Adam Blonde. Uh, it happened. And I didn't. Why did I, I? When? What's that? When? Uh, it was on the pre-show. They wrestled. Yes, they did. Apparently. Okay, I can't. I'm not going to be that mean because I yes, know. It was, I it know. Three Bellas. It's it's really a bummer because. Sting just retired the night before, and you're going to come out the day after, and it's going to hold some kind of clout, Bree. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, dear, but it's. I mean, you're you're going to have to try again. Yeah, and I mean, a yes lock, I think, is the only thing you need to say about it. I think that's the kind of moment that that's it. Good. And Callisto uh, versus a Ryback. It was good. That's going to be a try again for another baby joke, but you completely just I'm cut so that. sorry. Steam. I didn't want to do oh it, though. <laughs> you can't be mean to Daniel. I know. I think you kind of sensed it. Like, Daniel Bryan, mm, no. Okay, but they're trying. Congratulations. Uh, Kalisto, right back. Nobody saw it. Yeah. Uh, I would like to say the WWE app was very active all night, uh, and they were the ones to let me know uh, that Ryback lost. But uh, as we start to wind down, I should read you the best WWE notice I have ever received. And then just tell me if you think my concept on the phrasing isn't just uh, a little hilarious. But here we go. This is the, the message they sent. It said, WrestleMania, John Cena returned to join The Rock in fending off the advances of the Wyatt family. Now... Fending off the advances is an interesting phrase. I don't know what you guys saw when you were watching it, but I was not really worried about The Rock uh, being um, 
Well, I don't know. Maybe the, the what's the subtext? Let me ask you something. Yes, sir. If you told the girl you were gonna eviscerate her, <laughs> what would happen? I guess, but I just as I look down, fending off the advances, as I go, I want to meet the writer behind that. I want to have a talk with them and say, you didn't have any other phrasing. Okay, now the advances on the microphone, he fended off. You know, he did a little. You know, we. You know, I can talk smack. I can talk smack over here. But that just paints such a physical picture of physical advance. Like in the rock being like, no, 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 stop. And well, then like, okay, the, no, I told you no. Well, the I guess the reason why it made me laugh was is it really takes me to whatever they say fending off the advances. It makes me think more of like a southern uh, kind of thing of like, oh, my, I did not know I would have such advances that I would need to be fending off here. I just came all lonesome to this ring and did not know, Mr. White, you would be put in such a forward tongue. Like, that's how I take when I read that, because I was like, this is stupid. And I don't ever want to read that again. But I anyway. just thought the Kobe Bryant tour had, you know, stopped nope, at WrestleMania. No, nope. he's retiring. He's a Laker, and that's all. Anyway, you guys, uh, <laughs> Kobe might have also raped a couple people. No big deal. Anyway, um, we just want to say thank you guys for tuning into this. Uh, it was a great exploration of all things WrestleMania. Uh, the important reason why we wanted to do it today is because, as you know, uh, we're waiting for Raw, and once Raw kicks in, the best Raw of any year is the day after WrestleMania. With an asterisk next to it, of course. But uh, it always uh, promises to be a bigger show. Uh, sometimes, I don't know, than the actual show itself. But it, bigger than most, I guess you could say. I just want to say thank you so much to Mike for stopping in. Uh, like I said, Mike, you are somebody who is fun to talk uh, wrestling with because you are one of the most passionate people about the sport. And you talk from a great place. Even when you're not saying it's the best you're still the person who like is going to tune in week after week to make sure that you are supporting it. Yeah. That's the one thing I'm going to end on this. That's the one thing I think people get um, kind of wrapped out about when people say, Hey, I watch wrestling. I think they think we're just in front of the TV just with pom pom saying, Hey, this is, this is, Oh my God, this is so great for every minute. But there's sometimes we're just like, how can you dare question our intelligence? And I really feel that, you know, with things like NXT kind of pushing, you know, a new thought process and WrestleMania actually kind of being intelligent for once. I think that's kind of the things that kind of need to be like harped on. And I really appreciate you, you know, seeing that and giving me, you know, the chance to, you know, I really feel like I learned a, a lot about myself. I mean, I heard you say a bunch of things, but I was really kind of more in tune with um, myself because I'm, pre I'm really selfish. <laughs> what a great affirmation to end the show on you know i was here for you guys but like me yeah it was a big it was a big step no i you know i was really <laughs> i was really pronouncing my t's I, you know I, my, my mouth was open mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i probably mumbled for about 10 percent of the time it's a big <laughs> step from 50 i mean talk to most of these people in real life you'll probably hear they mumble too uh, I think the nice part to know about it is, is there's no better way to demonstrate what heel status is than by cutting the most heel-like exit, which I think is a great uh, point to go ahead and go ahead and conclude. Thank you guys so much for listening in, and uh, we'll catch you back more on Verbal Tap a little bit later. But for now, thank you guys for tuning in, 
and uh, have a good one. Too sweet, man. Hey, everybody, before we leave, we just want to thank all the sponsors we don't have, like Toyota, Snickers, the E-Network, where Total Divas is on, which also doesn't sponsor us, and of course, Tap Out, a clothing brand that not even MMA uses anymore, despite starting in mixed martial arts. Thank you for none of your support.